true love for each other there has been so many big but empty words so we come before your face asking for your grace bring your people to a state of kingdom life restore your church again touch your people once again with your precious holy hand we pray let your spirit shine upon this earth through a living glorious church not for temporary deeds but to restore authority your people once again Lord you see your weary servants and the broken wounded soldiers oh how much we need your precious healing touch we need the power of the cross as the only source for us when we stand up facing final battle cry restore your church again touch your people once again with your precious holy hand we your kingdom shine upon this earth through a living glorious church not for temporary deeds but to restore authority Thank you, Jenny. That was a beautiful song. Beautiful. 
And she didn't know what I was speaking of, and I didn't know what she was going to sing, but it goes together because we're going to be talking about God's people in the Old Testament, his earthly people, Israel, the Jews. And the same is true of us as his heavenly people today. We need God to restore us. We need him to touch us. We need him to fill us with power and the spirit so that we can touch lives around us and things can, can really change. And that's the only way it can be done. And we're thankful to what the Lord has done for us. Shall we just open in prayer? Father, we're so thankful this morning that we can be here. And we pray for those who are away on vacation and those who are still not feeling well, that you'll restore them, bring them back, give them a wonderful time of vacation. And Lord, we just want to pray now that your Holy Spirit will speak to us, to each heart, individually and personally, and that the words that are spoken today, Lord, will be your words and not my words, that you'll hide me behind the cross, Father. And we pray that each one will go home uh, touched, challenged, encouraged, blessed. And Lord, we just thank you for all that you've done and just pray for your help. We need it desperately. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I mentioned earlier, it's going to be a two-part series on the book of Esther. And I hope you had a chance to read the book of Esther. A couple people have told me they had a chance to read it. Well, guess what? If you didn't have a chance to read it, you've got this week to read it. Between now and next Sunday, read the book of Esther, and you will find tremendous lessons for your Christian life. It has been a blessing to me, and it continues to bless me every time I study it. And it is an excellent uh, book in the Old Testament. Short, 10 chapters, and some of them are really short, like the 10th chapter, like of only just about three verses. So try to read that one over. As we study this subject today and the next two weeks, I found an excellent synopsis on the book of Esther that I found was just fantastic. And it says this, it's a summary in a capsule of the book of Esther. It said, God's hand of providence and protection on behalf of his people is evident through the book of Esther, though his name does not appear once. Haman's plot brings grave danger to the Jews and is countered by the courage of beautiful Esther and the counsel of her wise cousin Mordecai, resulting in a great deliverance. The Feast of Purim becomes an annual reminder of God's faithfulness on behalf of his people. It's a wonderful summary. It's in a, in a real short form. It summarizes the book that we're going to be looking at. In the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at this topic. It's a two-part series. When trouble comes, God is still in control. When trouble comes, God is still in control. So this is part one this week, part two next week. Last week, we talked on Wednesday night about the enemies of the cross of Christ and the great damage that they can cause in the church. Enemies. Well, we see in the book of Esther, there's a big enemy, and his name is Haman. And he's wicked, and he's evil, and he comes up with a scheme and plan to destroy and annihilate the Jews. He might remind you of some of the words that were spoken by the Iranian leader Aminajad who wanted to annihilate Israel. That's the goal that they say. That's their goal. They don't mind saying, our goal is to destroy Israel. Well, that was Haman's goal. And it wasn't Haman 
It was the devil behind him. The devil is behind all these things that are against God's people. And as we see, this plan to destroy the Jews, they were living in 127 different provinces under King Ahasuerus, who is also known as King Xerxes. And that was a large territory that spanned all the way from India to Ethiopia. So a large group, a large people. And the Jews were scattered. And one thing to keep in mind in the book of Esther is some of the Jews had already been, had gone back to the promised land under Zerubbabel to build the temple and under Ezra and Nehemiah's leadership to build the wall. So they had already gone back. Well, the Jews were still scattered. Some of them didn't go back. They were still living in Babylon and under Media Persia. And there were others scattered through all this territory of 127 provinces. And you can imagine, they got discouraged, they were living in the world, they were living in a foreign land, and God has his mercy and grace and faithfulness that goes out to them. God loves us so much that he cares for every detail. He goes through what we go through with us, and we're going to see how the Lord was working in this book, behind the scenes, to bring about great deliverance for his people. If this were a play or a movie, you could say there's four main characters in this book. King Ahasuerus, Queen Esther, Haman, and Mordecai. But we're going to focus primarily on the character of Mordecai. And we're going to see how it weaves together with Esther and with Haman and all the others. So that'll be these two weeks but the outline that we're going to have is going to carry on for, for both weeks. We're going to cover about half of it today and the other half next week. So here's our outline for the, for, the, for the messages. Number one, his lineage, who he was. Number two, his love and how he showed it. Number three, his loyalty and how he proved it. Number four, his labor and how he faced trouble head on. And number five, and lastly, his legacy, the legacy he left behind and how God blessed him so tremendously. So let's look at the first point, his lineage, who he was. If Ed can please put up on this, the scriptures, Ezra, Esther chapter 2, verses 5 and 6 were introduced to Mordecai in the second chapter. In the first chapter, King Ahasuerus, who was married to Queen Vashti, were all mentioned in the first chapter. And this king was not a godly king. In fact, he had a party with drinking and all kinds of carousing that lasted for 180 days. Have you ever been to a party for 180 days? Not that it didn't feel like it, maybe, but you've never been to a party that lasted 180 days, six months. And they would come and they would drink and there was no compulsion. They didn't have to drink, but they had feasting and partying and going on. And after they did all that for six months, then he had another seven-day feast for all his servants and special advisors and so forth. And it's amazing. And we know the story how Queen Vashti, she would not go and show her beauty to the people. King wanted her to come out and show her beauty to the people. Well, she was the one who started Women's Lib. And she didn't like that. She didn't like to have to go and show her beauty off. What is he wanting me to do? Show my beauty off. I've got a mind. I've got things to offer. I've got my education and all these things. And he wants to just show off my beauty. She says, I'm not going. 
She stayed in her dressing room. She said, I'm not coming out. And it caused a great fervor in the whole place. What are we going to do? And so they advised the king that she, he should end her queenship, which they did. She no longer could become queen. And they put out an edict that all the men should rule over their wives because they were afraid the women were going to rise up and start taking over. And so Queen Vashti, who was in power at that time, and she too is a beautiful woman, she lost it. She lost it. She had a great thing going. She lost it because of, of pride and so forth. And, and then we see who took her place. God raised up Esther to become queen over all the realm. And we see it in the, in the first chapter. But in chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, we introduce ourselves to the character of Mordecai. Let's read. It says, which says, In Shushan, the citadel, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish. Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem by, with the captives who had been captured with King, King, Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, carried away. This is a tough situation. Can you imagine if you were carried away from your home today and you were taken to a foreign land? You left behind your home and all the furnishings. You left behind all the people you knew, all the friends you had are gone, and you're taken into a captivity and an exile in a foreign land where they don't even speak the language, they had to learn that, and they're in this, and it lasted for 70 years. Seven zero. 70 years captivity. But the faithfulness of God through the prophet Jeremiah said that God would restore his people after 70 years. And he used Cyrus, the king, to raise up that edict to have the people of God go back and rebuild the walls, rebuild the, the temple, and restore it again. And yet, some of them didn't go back. And it's sad. But those who did were blessed. But here they are, living in a foreign country, living among pagan people. It kind of reminds us today, don't we? We're trying to live godly lives in Christ Jesus, and we're living in an ungodly world, just like they were living in Babylon, that worshipped idols and all kinds of things. We're living in a, in a world like that, too, of so many things happening we don't agree with, we don't believe in, and we're seeing the foundations of the country just shattered by evil that's going on today. But praise be to God for the godly Jews who followed the Lord and obeyed the word of God even in the exile. They took the word of God in their hearts. People like Mordecai, Esther, and others did that. And we know in the scriptures there was a number of them, and their names are familiar to us. Daniel did the same thing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did the same thing. They were godly Jews. They stood for the Lord. And there was Nehemiah too. And earlier in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, there was Joseph, and they all had a part, and they were all part of the government. They had positions in the government and they didn't follow the ways of the world, they followed the ways of God. It cost him. Daniel, he was put in the lion's den because he prayed openly. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow down to the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had made. And all the different ones, they suffered because of that. 
but they stood for the Lord. And we know the Lord delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from that fiery furnace with no smell of smoke on them, right, Mike? And no harm to them whatsoever. And Daniel, those lions became like pussycats. And God delivered them. And, they, and then when they threw the evil men in there after Daniel came out safely, the lions crushed their bones before they even hit the bottom of that pit. It goes to show the power of God with his people when we honor him and put him first. But Mordecai had a lineage that was fantastic. He was a Benjaminite. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. He lived in Jerusalem where the temple was and where they worshiped God. And even though the people had gone astray, it was still better in Judah than it was in the land of Israel where the 10 tribes of Israel went into idolatry sooner and got into a much worse situation. But still, the people in Judah did many things bad too. But praise God for Mordecai. Mordecai, probably you could say, he grew up in a Christian home. He grew up learning the scriptures from his youngest years. And it served him well, just like it served Daniel and the others. Because when they grew up, even though they were taken away from their homes and where they used to go to synagogue, when they used to meet at the temple, still, they had the word of God in their hearts. They believed God. They believed that he didn't abandon them that they were going to be restored, and that he was going to be their God and Father forever. And so he was a great man. Great man. And we as believers are so blessed ourselves to have this kind of lineage in Christ. Their lineage in the Jews, they were his earthly people. We are his spiritual people, his heavenly people. And we've been blessed through the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior... You're a citizen of heaven, and you have so many great things to look forward to. But until we get to heaven, we have to live in a pretty sad and difficult world, in a, in a world that's evil and spinning out of control every day we see it. But our lineage is in Christ. We, 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 have, a, we have a great inheritance in him. If you look at Psalm 37 and verse 18, you can see how it relates very well to the character of Mordecai. Psalm 37 and verse 18 says this, The steps of a good man are ordained by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And that was true of Mordecai. The Mordecai didn't say, you know, we might as well just forget it. We're in this captivity. We might as well just live like the people of Babylon and just adopt their culture, adopt their beliefs, and just become like them. I mean, hasn't God abandoned us? No, he didn't say that. He said God has not abandoned us. We're his people. He's bringing us through this trial. He's bringing us through this discipline, this chastening, and we're going to end up on the other side. And that's the way it is when we go through tough times, troubled times. We know we're going to come out of it. We're going to come out on the other side, and we're going to, he's going to bless us. And sometimes it's hard to see light at the end of the tunnel, isn't it? When we're going through a difficulty, through a trial, through something that's really hard, it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel, but God sees it. And he says, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to see you through to the victory, to the deliverance in your life. And that is so encouraging to all of us. And Mordecai went through it. And Mordecai didn't let his circumstances dictate his life, but he had his life dictate his circumstances. 
And what we mean by that is he could have allowed all the negativity and all the tough circumstances to dictate how he feels. How are you feeling today? Well, I'm not feeling too good going through some... He didn't. How are you feeling today, Mordecai? Praise God, I'm feeling good because it's another day the Lord has given me. And we should feel that way. We shouldn't drag ourselves around, especially Monday morning, right? People at work are dragging themselves back from the weekend. And they, I have the same demeanor on Monday as I do on Friday. I mean, I'm happy in the Lord. And when my manager, one of our managers asked me, he said, was it a good day, Dean? We're looking up at our numbers. You know, they had a lot of pressure. You got to meet all these numbers. I said, it was a good day today, Tony, because I said, every day is a good day with the Lord. He said, oh, that's a good way to look at it. It's a good way to look at it. It's true, though. It's true. Every day is a good day with the Lord. And that's the way Mordecai lived his life. And so that was his lineage. That's where he came from. That's the kind of person he was. He was that way before, and he, was, he continued that way. Just like Daniel, they were very strong in their beliefs. They didn't adopt the culture and beliefs of the land around them. They were different. They stood out. Secondly, his love and how he showed it. And this is pretty amazing. Mordecai stepped up big time. You know, that's an expression we use in, in life today. When somebody steps up, they, they rise to the occasion. They rise to the challenge. Usually it's somebody in sports or whatever it might be. They step up and they, and they fill in for maybe somebody that's out with an injury and they, they do a great job. They step up. Well, he stepped up big time because Esther, whose original Hebrew name is Hadassah, who became, she became later known as Esther, she lost both her father and her mother to death. They were both killed. They were both, we don't know how, but she lost them both. And Mordecai was her cousin, probably her older cousin, but she was, he was the cousin. And guess what he did? He took in Esther and treated her like his own daughter. You say, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. When somebody does that, they take her in. And when you read the scriptures, you never read anything about him being married, having kids of his own, or anything. So we using our sanctified imagination and not knowing really whether he was married or not, or maybe he had kids, maybe it just doesn't mention it, but I would like to think he was a single man living his life just like single men normally do on their own and living how they do, having their maybe bachelor pads, right, like that. And yet... He said, I'm going to take her in. I'm going to, she's my cousin, and I'm going to love her. Reminds me of Amber, right? She took in Charisse. She took in Charisse, who was her cousin, same way, and raised her like a daughter. And you raised her like a daughter too, Dave, right? And it's amazing the kind of love that he had. It was very impressive how he did that. And he loved her like his own. And even though they lost everything where they came from, in Israel, they gained everything because they had each other and they had the other Jews who were with them. Someone once said, if you give love, you will have love. And I see that as a beautiful relationship, that bond that they had between Esther and Mordecai and between Mordecai and Esther, it was a strong bond. You couldn't break it. It was strong. And in the scriptures, when you think about certain people who had a loving bond and relationship together, you can just see it cemented. Gene Gibson used to call it years ago, divine epoxy. 
It bonds us together. And you think about Abraham and how he loved his son so much. There was that bond between Abraham and between Isaac, and he was willing to offer Isaac on that altar. Even though he loved Isaac, his only and well-beloved son, so much, he was willing to give him, but God says no. There's a sacrifice over here. Take this ram and offer him. But Abraham loved Isaac. David loved his friend Jonathan, and Jonathan loved David. They had a bond. They had a real bond. That love was tremendous. Ruth loved her mother-in-law Naomi very much. And Naomi loved her, and there was that bond. And when the time came to go back, when Naomi was going back to where she came from in Israel, Ruth went with her. And when she says, you, you girls go back, you go back, the other daughter-in-law, Peninnah, she went but Ruth, she went on with, with Naomi because of that love, that bond, that love. And that was the kind of love that Mordecai had also. And Paul had that same kind of love for Timothy. And Timothy had that kind of love for Paul. And these relationships are so beautiful. And so you see Mordecai loving her so much. How much did Mordecai love her? Well, guess what? When Esther was chosen to be among the women who would be candidates to become queen... And they all went in and they were taken care of there. It says of Mordecai that in chapter 2 and verse 10 and 11, it says in verse 11, let's read 11 first, it says, Every day Mordecai paced in front of the court of the women's quarters to learn of Esther's welfare and what was happening to her. Was that a doting father or what? Doesn't that sound like he was just like a father to her? It says he paced up and down. Up and down. How's she doing today? And he couldn't go into where the, all the women were there. He couldn't. But he knew some people there. And so he would knock on the door. He'd say, how's Esther doing today? Is she getting enough to eat? Is she getting everything she needs? And he worried about her. And fathers, you know it. Mothers, you know it. You worry about your kids and your grandkids. And it's amazing how he worried about her. And he told her at one point in chapter 2, verse 10, he said, do not reveal your people to them. Tell them that you're, you're from the Jewish background. He didn't want her to be harmed, but there was going to be a time. And we know it's coming up. We're going to talk about it next week and how there was a time that she was going to reveal her identity and reveal who her people were. And we're going to see how God used it in a, in a tremendous way. But we see here that he loved her very much and he had that kind of self-denying love. He prayed for her. And you know when Mordecai prayed for her, what happened? God raised up a man named Haggai, H-E-G-A-I. Haggai was one of the king's eunuchs. And he was responsible for taking care of all these women and getting them all prepared and ready to go into the king and see who would be chosen to be queen. And God touched this man. Because Mordecai prayed for Esther, the Lord raised him up. And it says in chapter 2 and verse 9, Now the young woman pleased him, that is Haggai, and she obtained his favor, so he readily gave beauty preparations to her besides her allowance. Then seven choice maidservants were provided for her from the king's palace, and he moved her and her maidservants to the best place in the house of of the women. Now, is that, did that just happen? Was that just a coincidence? No, it's an answer to prayer. It was an answer to Mordecai's prayer, who was like a father to her. Take care of her, Lord. Bless her, Lord. 
Help her through all these things. And the Lord answered that prayer. So don't think, parents, your prayers don't go unanswered. God answers those prayers. And when you send your kids off to school, the Lord, they're going to go with God, and God's going to go with them, and he's going to protect them. And when you send them off uh, to Mexico in a camping trip with a big backpack on their back, the Lord's going to be with them, and he's going to take care of them. Right, Dave? We know it. We know he does. And Mordecai prayed, and the Lord answered his prayer. He loved Esther so much. Now, one of the ways that he showed his love to her is kind of what we might call tough love. Have you heard of that expression, tough love? Yes, we have, right? Tough love means you tell people things sometimes that they don't want to hear. Sometimes you tell them things that are going to hurt a little bit, but they're the truth. And we all need people in our life that'll tell us the truth, that will speak to us and tell us, we made a mistake, or we did this wrong, or we need to correct this, and we all need people in our lives like that. Well, Mordecai was that way to Esther, and he had that tremendous love for her that he shared his heart with her. And if you look over at chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, we'll see how much he did that with Esther. Esther 4, 13 and 14 says, And Mordecai told them to answer Esther. This is when he had sent word about and we're going to talk more about it next week, about how the Jews were all condemned to die and they were going to all be put to death. And he says to Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. And you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Now, we can't really blame Esther because in those days, the king had a golden scepter. Remember the story, and if you read it or we had movies on it and everything, the king had a golden scepter. And when you came into the presence of the king, number one, you could only come when you were called. And number two, you could only come near to the king if he reached out his golden scepter to you. Now, if you came and you weren't called, which she wasn't, and she even said, I haven't been called for 30 days. 30 days he hasn't called me. And if he didn't reach out the golden scepter to her, she could be put to death right on the spot, whether she's the queen or not. Anybody who would go into the presence of the king without having that golden scepter reached out to them be certain death. And that's why she was afraid and she brought up her concerns. But he tells her here, who knows whether you've been raised up for such a time as this? Who knows how God might use us in our lives, how he might raise us up at a very special time in the life of somebody else that we know or come into contact with, and God can use us. And so he's telling her here, Esther, I'm going to tell you straight, if you don't do this, if you don't go to the king, God's going to answer the prayer. He's going to send deliverance from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. It'll be over for you. So what he's saying here is God isn't restricted. God can change the situation. He can bring deliverance from another source, but she would lose the blessing of that and might even lose her life is what he's saying. So he gave her some pretty tough love. It was tough love. And she took it because she loved him so much. And we all need in our lives a friend like that who will tell us straight. Speak the truth to us. We all need a friend like that. We all need a, a mentor like that. Your mentor is not a good mentor if they say, oh yeah, you're, you're great, you're fantastic, you're excellent, you haven't done anything wrong. 
No, you need a mentor to tell you the good things you're doing, but you need a mentor to tell you also you could improve this, you could do this differently, you could have said different in this situation. They help us by correcting us. And so we all need these mentors, we need these friends, we need these counselors. Praise God for Adel and Sylvia, they're counselors to us, and they've given us excellent counsel over the years, and thank God for them. And it's a blessing. And sometimes they got to sit you down. They got to sit me down and they got to tell me straight, this is the way you should have done it. This is, you, did, you shouldn't have done this or you shouldn't have done that. We all need it. And I want to make special mention to a very special friend of mine, and he's listening today, and his name is Bill Murray. Bill Murray is like a Mordecai to me. He's always been that way since 1979 when I first met him and we went through the intern program together. Bill and I would have breakfast together and we'd talk and everything like that. And ever since then, he's one of our elders too. And I love him as an elder and I love him as a friend and as a brother. And he's always been one who will shoot straight. He will shoot straight. He will tell me, Dean, you shouldn't have done that or you shouldn't have said that or this in such a wonderful way, an encouraging way. And I've always appreciated that about Bill. And I love him so much. And we all need that in our life. We need sometimes tough love, tough love. Because if we really love our kids, if we really love our friends and our, and our brothers and sisters, we want the best for them, right? And so too, Mordecai wanted the best for Esther. He wanted her to do the right thing, to honor God and put him first. And so he shared these words with her. These words were needed. These words were the right thing at the right time. And praise God for them. So we see that we see his lineage and we also see his love. And that's what makes a man of God what he is. He's saved. He knows the Lord. He has a, uh, he's walking with the Lord in a right relationship. And he has the love of God flowing through him. And he cares about people. And he wants the best for people. That's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be Mordecai's. Because we're like him living in this foreign world. Third, and very importantly, his loyalty. His loyalty and how he proved it. He was a loyal man of God. Sylvia spoke on it. We had it last Wednesday night also for the Bible study. You cannot imagine how important loyalty is today. It is so critical, and yet it's so rare. People talk, don't even almost know what the word loyalty means nowadays. Companies aren't loyal to their employees. They lay them off. Employees are not loyal to their company. They, they'll go in a, in a heartbeat, leave the company, give no notice, and just go. There's no loyalty. Same in sports with people that play. I mean, the owners, they're not loyal to the players. Players aren't loyal to them. I mean, we see it in schools. People aren't loyal to their teachers or their counselors nowadays. It's amazing. Loyalty, rare, rare, rare. But he was loyal. He was a loyal man. And we're going to look at how loyal he was. He was loyal to God first. He was loyal to God's people. And he was loyal to God's word. He was loyal. And you couldn't move him. Mordecai was like a solid rock. And if you tried to push him out of the way to, to move him off his spot for the Lord, he wouldn't move. He was an unmovable object for the Lord. He was godly. And the Lord had given him a position in the kingdom of sitting at the king's gate. Now, we don't know what he did at the king's gate, but it was a place of responsibility, and he took it seriously. And he sat at the king's gate, and he was on guard, and his eyes were open, and his ears were open. 
Now, he didn't slough off and say, well, this isn't a great position here to stand by this gate. No, he took it very, very seriously. So because he took it seriously and because he was a loyal man, he was not only loyal to his God and loyal to his people and no, loyal to his, his daughter, his cousin, who is like his daughter Esther, but he was also loyal to the king. And one day, it says in the scriptures here that he heard about a plot. And this plot was by two of the king's servants. And one of them was named Big Than, and the other was named Tirash. And somehow they got very mad at the king. It says they were furious with the king. They were so angry with him. I don't know what King Ahasuerus did because he was kind of like one of these people-pleasing people, but something he did made them very, very angry. And they were so angry. You ask, how angry were they? They were angry enough to kill him. And they had this plot, but they weren't very smart because they said it a little too loud, and Mordecai heard. He heard it. So what did he do? He told Esther, who was queen at that time, and she went and told the king of this plot in Mordecai's name. So he didn't, she didn't just tell the plot. She said, Mordecai, your servant who sits loyally at the gates, he heard this plot about these two servants of yours. The king says, I'm going to check it out. So he did the research. He checked it out. He had his men go out and corroborate the story, and they found out, sure enough, it was true. So they took these two wicked men, and they hung them on the gallows, and they lost their lives. But Mordecai was loyal. And it says that they wrote that story of what Mordecai did in the Chronicles of the King, and they wrote it up in the book, and it was put in that book. Did they thank Mordecai at that time? I don't think so. They even did. They didn't even remember it. And later on, we're going to see how God's going to use it in a miraculous way so that the king will remember it by seeing the words and reading them again. But it's amazing. When you're a loyal person and you're doing God's will and you're doing what's right and you're walking with him, God is going to bless you. People are going to notice. And so may God help us to be loyal. Loyal to the Lord, loyal to the church, loyal to the leadership of the church, loyal to God's plan and purposes and to his word. And when we do that, we will be blessed and everyone around us will be blessed. So we see here that he had a loyalty that he proved it. He proved to be loyal. And you know, the king really liked him a lot because he trusted him. And if people trust us, then they're going to be willing to listen sometimes to the gospel because they, they say, here's a person that's reliable. Here's a person who's trustworthy. Here's a person that's loyal, that doesn't cause problems. And it gives us an opportunity to speak to other people. And that's exactly what happened with Mordecai. So next week, in part two, we're going to talk about his labor and his legacy. We're going to talk about the plot of Haman and how he planned to kill all the Jews and annihilate them and how God turns that plan around and how Haman is the one who's killed and how God delivers his people. So that's next week. So come next week so you'll hear the second part of our series on the book of Esther. And as we conclude the message today, I want to read a song which is entitled, You Are My Hiding Place. Because you can imagine those Jews when they were so fearful, when they were under the sentence of death and, and a law was made and ratified by the king that all the Jews would be killed on one day, on the 13th day of the 12th month. 
how scared they would have been, how afraid they would have been. But this song really relates to it because it says, you are my hiding place. You always fill my heart with songs of deliverance. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Let the weak say I am strong in the strength of the Lord. Yes, you are my hiding place. May the Lord help us to, to have him be our hiding place, for us to go to him, to trust in him to deliver us whenever we're in trouble, whenever we're going through trials and difficulties. And remember the title, God is still in control. He's, he's on the throne. He's in control. And even though the situations around us may seem like it's out of control, God's in control. And we're going to see how next week, God who's in control, whose name is not mentioned in the book, who's not even referred to, but he's, he's working for his people behind the scenes. And he does that in our lives too. He goes before us, he works in a situation, he brings about so that we can find him to be our hiding place. Shall we just close in prayer? Father, we thank you for the book of Esther. It's so encouraging, Lord, the life of Esther and how she became queen and, and Mordecai and how he was a loyal, faithful man and how you used them both, Lord, when the time came to speak up for you and the plot to kill the Jews was thwarted the victory was won, and we're so thankful, Lord, that we can study over 3,000 years after this incident happened. It's still just as fresh and real and practical as it was in those days. Lord, help us to have your strength and your power. Help us to face trouble. Help us to know you're our hiding place. You're going to be with us, Lord. Behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, you're going to be with us. We just pray you'll take us home safely today. Help us to go on our way rejoicing, Lord, as your people. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in our wonderful Savior's name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.